When I manage projects, a large percent of, of the management that I was doing was by feel. You mm -hmm. kind of felt your way through it. And I, I would keep a list of things that I'm aware of that I need to think about. And at each phase, I would uh, make sure that I'm taking time and making space with the team to make sure we're all collectively not forgetting anything. But it wasn't part of a system that, that I was given. It wasn't part of of an understanding of the project that I was given. We weren't working inside of a structure. It was like the Wild West. And I, I think that there are so many more people that could competently do the work if we gave them the structure for how to do it. Yep. If we gave them the roadmap of what you're expected to do, we could have a much higher success rate for anybody in the position. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. This is episode 78. We're talking about the project life cycle and as it relates to project manager basic training. Which sounds like a boring episode title. Oh, I can tell you there are a whole group of folks who get excited when we're talking about project life cycle. Well, this is something that uh, we'll be talking more about it in a minute, but something that people have been really asking us for since we first came into business. Mm -hmm. How can I put all the pieces together of what needs to happen on a construction project into kind of one framework? So as we get things kicked off here, make sure that you rate, share, and subscribe to the Critical Path podcast. We're always looking to get our message out there. Yep, help more people hear us. Mm -hmm. And housekeeping, anything that we need to talk about before we roll in? Uh, well, we are just getting ready for our graduation. By the time you hear this, it will be actually going on. Yeah, for form and basic training. So we'll be running that. Uh, and it's a super exciting event. We've got lots of all-star panelists to judge the students given their presentations. And we're just now enrolling for project management basic training and for form and basic beginning in March. Mm -hmm. So check it out. So we're talking about project life cycle here today and how it relates to project manager basic training. Mm -hmm. Many times people are looking for, for the matrix. They want to understand what went wrong on the project because that is the place where, where that need is felt most acutely is when something goes wrong. When we have this conversation when we're building job descriptions, we have this conversation when we're solving problems on projects. We have this conversation all the time and the question is, okay, so I understand all of the pieces of how to do the job. You have someone who's been a project manager for a long time. They understand how to do change orders. They understand uh, how to make sure that safety compliance is happening. They understand all these separate, this kind of constellation of separate pieces, mm -hmm. but how do we put that all together into something that makes sense? I would say it's not a constellation because the constellation would make it make sense. It's just kind of a bed of, it's a field of stars, right? That they're the all just- stars with no constellations. All disconnected. And what Project Lifecycle does for us is that it does the work of helping to understand how these things are interconnected on a construction project. How they fit together, how they move through time, how they hand off between different people on the job, and who's responsible for what. In episode 74, we talked about how we're pivoting our mission for our business mm -hmm. by focusing on uh, working with the folks ground up, where we're starting with the field leadership, we're starting with the, the 
young project managers, and we're helping to get that training to the to the people that need it the most. So we said we'd talk more about this kind of ground up philosophy. So. Uh, as we've been kind of slowly working through building that out, we're kind of talking a little bit more about what that looks like. And I, I, while I am a big fan of bottoms up, <laughs> I think think ground up just has a better mouth feel to we it. We did talk about how that used to be your ringtone on your phone when I called you, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we're focusing on starting at the bottom of the organization. And the, the reason for that is that these are the folks who need the help the most. They need the help today. And it's not just that they need it the most, but starting solving our problems where the work is actually happening Mm -hmm. actually makes a lot of sense because little things start where the work is happening and those are like little cracks that kind of make their way further and further up the chain and then we have these big issues way up at the top of the organization and the truth is that if we had been able to just patch those cracks at the ground level where the work is happening we could have done a lot of good one of my favorite feelings is when we're talking to students going through our basic training programs and they've just learned something and they just implemented it with their team and they come back and they tell these stories of how they brought part of that training to to the team and they've implemented it and everybody is excited about it my favorite is one student who has an apprentice and the apprentice will rush up to him and say okay what did we learn today and, and they're just hungry for the information and the opportunity to learn. And when you drive change and when you drive education with that kind of fervor and that kind of frenzy, it means that you're going to have buy-in from the ground all the way up. So I'm sorry to do this to you, but while you were talking, I thought of something really important. Oh, nice. <laughs> no. You, you weren't using active listening. No, it's the name. Hmm. The name okay. for, for this movement and this philosophy and the book Right? Let's, let's go for it. Groundswell. Ooh. You like that? It's nice. Groundswell. Yeah. Because it's like it starts it starts at the ground and kind of it unstoppably progresses upward. Okay. There you go. Groundswell. So the idea is We're going to have to work on the pronouns of that and like how that that functions a little bit. Well, that's kind of what we're doing. And I think that's actually a fun part of this that we're we're developing this philosophy so in uh, episode what 74 now what we basically said we had an idea for mm-hmm. a new philosophy here's kind of what it might look like yeah right and now here we are and we're going to be talking a lot about project life cycle and just mm-hmm. a little about groundswell right now but uh, we're just kind of giving these few bullet points of now as it's grown and as we've worked on it and as we've talked about it here's how it's changing Mm -hmm. so uh the next piece of of this philosophy is it focuses on training Mm -hmm. instead of being a consulting model where we come in and we give you a solution and we help you run that solution we work on teaching everyone in the entire organization the things that they need so that they can solve the problems with a little bit of help. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of like the train the trainer model where we're giving everybody the skill set to be able to functionally solve this stuff and teach others as and they teach go. teach each other, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So then the next piece is that this movement involves combining soft skills and hard skills. So mm-hmm. soft skills are the things like leadership, conflict management, communication, and the hard skills are things like daily logs or scheduling mm-hmm. or these different kind Budget of crunchy, management, risk yeah, management. crunchy construction mm-hmm. things. 
And so that statement feels obvious that we would do both of those yeah, of things. of course. Because of course we need both right. of those things. But the trick here is that we have to find ways mm -hmm. to teach those things together. Mm -hmm. Because it's like chocolate and peanut butter. When you put them together, they work better. So much better. <laughs> well, and I, I think that that is a big part of our magic is that we homogenize a lot of these, a lot of these lessons because people absorb them better. Because they... they uh, it feels more natural learning when when things aren't just isolated like like totally disconnected stars right these are constellations and things that that move and travel together so if you take a bunch of foremen and you sit them down and you talk to them about the important precepts of leadership mm -hmm. that's great and they hear you and they understand it but they don't necessarily have any real world information on how to put that to play at work and nothing tangible if you talk to them about things that, that relate to their day-to-day -day work mm -hmm. and leadership and put those things together, now they're able to make something useful out of that information. So that's an important part of Groundswell is teaching all of those pieces together at the same time. And that leads us into uh, teaching this methodology using uh, Project Lifecycle. So I guess it's the other way around. We're teaching project life cycle with the use of, of groundswell. Mm -hmm. That it, the idea, the, the final piece that we kind of hit is the idea that groundswell needs a whole framework to hang on mm -hmm. so that all the pieces kind of hang together. We needed a framework. And luckily we had something kind of in our back pocket that we'd been working on for a long time. Mm -hmm. So too much of the time we teach construction like these separate pieces and uh, we spoke with Mark Zimfer over at Purdue a while back. Yeah, adjunct, adjunct professor. Adjunct professor over at Purdue uh, and he had a really great analogy. He said it's like construction is like riding a bike mm -hmm. and what we do is we... In, in school. In school. What we used to do because he also was building a better way but mm -hmm. he said what most construction programs do is we'll teach you about the chain on the bike and mm -hmm. how to oil and maintain the how chain. to fix the chain we'll have a class about that and we'll have another class about the bell mm -hmm. and how to install the bell and how to use the bell and we'll have another class that's about the tire mm -hmm. and how to air the tire up and take care of the tire so there are all these disconnected pieces and then day one of your new career we put you on a bike and say go ride the bike right but you've never had the opportunity to actually ride it. You don't, you've not had the opportunity to use this stuff. You never learned how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. You learned how the bike works and all the pieces of the bike. And if we're, we're using a certain type of bike, maybe we never learned how to use a kickstand. Mm -hmm. So uh, if we ever find ourselves in, I know you. you I, I never had a kickstand. I know you didn't have a kickstand. No, I just dumped my bike on the ground. I know you just threw your bike on yep. the ground and ran. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> but the idea is we do this all the time with the specialization where we exclude pieces of education and we don't understand how to use all parts of, of the bike in practical application. And not only that, but often what happens as we get into kind of that on the job training is we don't teach people the parts of the process that don't apply to them. Mm -hmm. So for example, in foreman basic training, what we're finding is foremen need to be able to read a schedule. Yeah. But foremen don't necessarily need like a full on MS project class. Right. They don't need to be able to build a schedule from the ground up, understand the rationale that mm -hmm. goes into creating that schedule. They don't need all of that. And, and 
they most certainly don't need that at the beginning of the position, but it could be that they need that by the time they're looking to move into superintendent. Granted, but I guess what I'm getting at is we take these pieces and we go, well, they don't need to know that information. Ever. There's a lot of what project managers do. The foreman don't need to understand. But, but, and, and I think the same thing happens with project management, too, that, that certain project managers will shield project engineers and APMs mm-hmm. from critical information that is really important that they understand for mm-hmm. reasons that, that we don't usually talk about. The point is, every single person on a construction project doesn't need to be trained on every single element of mm-hmm. a construction project. Right. Everybody doesn't need to know how to do everything. That's the mm-hmm. beauty of a team. Yeah. However... If we don't have some kind of uh, shorthand, if we don't have this process, then whole pieces of it get left out altogether, mm-hmm. where the idea that foremen need a certain amount of training on how to read and interact with a schedule. Yeah. And they often don't get that and at all. It's important that the whole team has, has the shorthand, has the common language, so that we can understand different concepts at points where we're handing the stuff off backwards and forwards. Right. So everyone on the team should understand the whole project mm-hmm. life cycle, even mm-hmm. if they don't know how to do every task yeah. that's buried inside of it. They don't need the specific detailed training on every little part of it, mm-hmm. but they should understand that that cycle, where the project is, what's happening right now, who's doing what. Mm-hmm. So several years ago, we started putting together kind of a unified field theory uh, of project management. So unified field theory is, if you're not a physics nerd, nerd, <laughs> the idea that, you know, we have math and, and formulas and all kinds of information about big physics, yeah. like space, stars, things that are really far apart and really big and heavy. Mm-hmm. And then we have other rules for really tiny things like quantum things. And the weird thing about physics is that those things, they don't follow quite the same rules. Mm -hmm. They don't behave quite the same. So there's been this goal forever of creating what's called a unified field theory, which is basically like a set of equations that would relate to everything, that Mm -hmm. would connect everything to each other. It would always be true. That would help us understand how these things behave in relation to one another. for a long time, that's kind of my offhand joke way right. of referring to what we've been trying to build is unified field theory for a construction project. And in a lot of ways, that is the project life cycle. And we're going to go into that in more detail in just a minute here. Um, but it's that, that project life cycle is the foundation for a lot of the training that we run because all of our training kind of hangs on, on a net uh, that is connected to that project life cycle. Absolutely. And so we have our project life cycle and the way that we put the pieces together. But even if you were to look at that and hear that and say, well, we do it a little different over Mm -hmm. here. Over here, our superintendents do that, not our PE or however that goes. You should understand your own project life cycle, Mm -hmm. whether it's the same as ours, whether it's different from ours. This should be a thing that you can get your head around and understand. And we literally put this up on a poster so that you can see what what phase are we in in the project? Uh, where are areas of failure, points of failure? And literally, if you think about this for a second, every time if you had a, a failure on a project, a mistake, a miss, a scope, gap, any of those issues that you had, if you put a pin in that location on that map, on that constellation, where that error occurred, 
how many pins do you think you'd see over time? Because they tend to collect in the same spots. So if we see one over here because this project was weird in mm -hmm. this way, and there's one over in the planning phase here because this was and different. And like 100 in RFIs, that tells you that we need to focus on, on developing a process or improving the process around that mechanism. Yep, it tells us where to spend our time and energy. Mm -hmm. You know, something we had to spend some time thinking about is how we were gonna address this as a podcast, because mm -hmm. it's graphical, it's mm -hmm. a poster, it it's goes big. on the wall, yep. and it's giant. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna do our best to talk through it. Well, and I think the best place to, to start is thinking about the different phases of a project because when you can isolate what phase you're in then there are certain types of activities and things that will happen in that phase and that should be what you're focusing on. So the phases are kind of the time component of this life cycle and it's pretty simple how they work. So the first phase is the initiating phase. Mm -hmm. So the initiating phase is before we have the project. Mm -hmm. So this is basically estimation. This is using our, our tribal knowledge from past projects. This is understanding the, the go, no go. Should we actually take mm -hmm. this project on? These are all of the, the kind of system startup checks. If you think about uh, a rocket ship taking off, these are all of the checks that that rocket runs through. All systems nominal. Right. To, to make sure that everything is okay. Did some we miss us, anything? Some of us may be thinking about that a lot right now because of Perseverance. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> that was and, a lot and of fun. what was the first thing that Perseverance did when it landed? It ran through all of those startup steps, right? Is everything okay? Did everything make it? Mm -hmm. Even like the uh, as it was coming down through the atmosphere and mm -hmm. they kept saying they had heartbeat tones, yep. like it's checking in that like everything is expected, yep. everything yep. is going as expected. But so this is the initiating phase of the project and we're, we're thinking about the types of activities that fit into that zone. Mm -hmm. Is our estimation process sound? This is the beginning of risk management. This is the beginning of communication between office and field, making sure that everybody has the same understanding. Yep. So then, from initiating phase, we go as soon as the contract is signed mm -hmm. into planning phase. And so with that planning phase, this is where we're actually queuing up the work, we're queuing up our procurement, uh, we're getting 100% understanding of the project, we're making sure that, that we are well prepared of where all of the challenges are going to be mm -hmm. in actuality. So typically in initiating, we kind of have the survey review. We don't understand everything about the project, but the hope is in planning phase, this is when we're, we're nailing down all of our initial RFIs, we're locking down our contracts, uh, we're getting the procurement set up, we're kind of getting the project set up for success, identifying those actual risks, creating the project strategy, and getting the whole team on board on the same page with what the plan is. Yeah, absolutely. So then we go into the executing phase. Mm -hmm. And simply the executing phase is just doing the work. Yeah, and when you look at the, the graphic component of this, the execution phase is the smallest piece. Mm -hmm. If you look at where all of the, the uh, money is on managing a project, the actual execution of the work occupies mm -hmm. the smallest component mm -hmm. uh, because all of the greatest risk is it comes into play with the planning and with the uh, controlling that comes later. Mm -hmm. So the execution is setting up the work, making sure we have our safety practices in place. Yep. We're getting mobilized, mm -hmm. we're kicking off. Yep, making sure that everybody has what they need uh, as we're actually carrying that work out. Yep. Then we have our controlling phase. So controlling work is still happening, mm -hmm. but now basically we are just 
we're watching those heartbeat tones mm -hmm. and we're managing the project as it goes. Yeah, and in controlling phase, this is this can be the most cumbersome uh, component of the project lifecycle. But in controlling phase, we're thinking about all of the parts and pieces of what could go wrong. We're monitoring RFI responses. We're monitoring the actual delivery and procurement. Uh, we are detecting any impacts for changes. So that whole system needs to be functioning properly. And it's really important in controlling phase that everybody understands their role 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And then finally into closing phase. Mm -hmm. And this is when we're wrapping things up. We're managing our punch list. We're mm -hmm. debriefing the team and kind of getting all of our knowledge back to our knowledge base for the next project. Yep. Yeah. And we, we often will skip that debrief step in projects where we'll put all of this effort and we could put literal years into running this project and we skip the debrief step because we're already pulled into the next job. People leave on phase in, in sort of phases on construction projects. So mm -hmm. by the time we get to the point where we can realistically have a debrief, a lot of the important people are already gone. Yeah, so it's important that in that closing phase, you make sure that the team makes time for that debrief because it can be the most valuable hour of mm -hmm. everybody's time for that entire project. It can, it can make or break the next one that we get to. So the phases though, I think that part of it is probably pretty easy for most people to get their heads around. Most people mm -hmm. could easily tell you what phase we're in on a project. Sure. It's just an important kind of first step to get our heads around for the life cycle. Mm -hmm. But within those phases and moving through those phases, we have a number of separate processes. So this is really the heart of the project life cycle yeah. is that everything you do is inside of one or another process. Mm -hmm. So if you think about all the different tracks that you could take through a project, there are a number of those different processes that, that we should be paying attention to. Uh, so the first process, and this is actually one that often gets skipped, mm -hmm. is the team knowledge process. So this is how are we capturing mistakes we've made in the past, mm -hmm. things people on our teams specifically know about how to run these kinds of projects. This has to do with management of that tribal knowledge. It has to do with communication. How are we, how are we uploading and downloading? How are we reporting? How are we moving information back and forth? So ideally, before I start estimating a job, I should have access to some information about what our team knows about these kind of projects. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to bid, a, I don't know, I'm going to bid a school, what are the things we've learned before about building schools? Mm -hmm. And how can I access that quickly and, and use that as I gain my understanding of this particular school? Yeah. And then the next process that we're thinking about is the estimation phase. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of the, the input where we're gathering information. We're trying to put numbers and dollars and cents and days to these activities. And this is the place where we, we're generating our labor budget. We're verifying our labor budget with, with our leadership team on the project. And then we're using that throughout the project as we estimate changes, et cetera. Yeah, so there's a lot of important stuff inside of estimating, but I think in a lot of ways for the project lifecycle, the mm -hmm. most important part is that we get to the end of that estimating phase mm -hmm. and actually have data about what we were thinking when we bid this yeah. that we can use to create the budget, mm -hmm. to create our labor budgets, to create all that. Something we've seen fall down a lot in the past are companies where it gets estimated mm -hmm. and someone says, mm, this is about how much. And then we it's don't have- It's just the thumb in the wind. Mm -hmm. And the estimation phase generates 
important foundation work that we will use to run the whole project. And if we don't generate that stuff at the time of estimation, mm -hmm. we won't have it in order to build things that we will need later. Yeah, and it's important that we're taking that data and looping it back to, to the people who put those estimates together mm -hmm. because they need to know how close they were and if something went wrong, was it related to their numbers or was it on the, the execution side? Absolutely. So the next process then is the risk management This process. is my favorite one. Yeah, this is Jason's jam. Yeah, so risk management, it's, it's, it should be part of every phase of construction. We should be thinking about what risks are involved in that initial uh, initiating phase. And I think this one's interesting because most people would tell you, of course, they have a risk management process. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that they think of risk management as this kind of vague, uh, ephemeral thing that they just do by just feel being aware of risks. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that we should have an actual process where we're actually tracking mm -hmm. uh, what risks there are, how close to mitigated are they, uh, how, what kind of impact do we expect them to have on our final profit. And this is a core component that we lean into heavily for project manager basic training, where we're evaluating the different risks for projects in real time as we go through week to week. But risk management shouldn't be a feeling, it should be a spreadsheet. Here's, here's a test. If you feel like your company has risk management handled well, go to, let's say a PE or an APM, and ask them to write down your risk management process. Mm -hmm. That's really good. What, what are they gonna come up with? And I would love to see some examples. Or for that matter, ask an active PM mm -hmm. for their risk management documentation. How about ask all of your PMs what our risk management process looks like? And this shouldn't just be a profitability report. And I guarantee most companies are gonna see something that, if everybody responds, they're gonna see something that looks completely different. Mm -hmm. Everybody's gonna have a different answer. And there are gonna be companies where this doesn't exist, mm -hmm. where there is not a document that is tracking risks. Right, so that risk management process needs to carry on through every one of those construction phases, even through the closing phase to figure out what risks are still outstanding mm -hmm. and what steps are we taking to make those smaller or close them. Yep, absolutely. Yep. The next phase, uh, the next process is project information. So this is requests for information. This mm -hmm. is RFIs. This is basically as we go through the project, all of the writing the RFIs, getting responses, tracking what's been responded to, uh, getting our arms around those responses and understanding the impacts of those, that is the project information process. And would include ASIs, uh, architectural supplementary instruction, it would include meeting minutes, it would include all of that, that carrying information that we use throughout the project. Profit tracking. Mm -hmm. So hopefully most uh, pro projects will have some kind of a profit tracking process in place. So we should have a profit tracking process that operates at every phase of construction. Mm -hmm. So when you walk into, this was a real experience, I walked into a project manager's office and I said, how is this project looking? And they said, pretty good. And I said, not a number. <laughs> and they said, well, we're tracking better than we thought we would and we should come in okay. And I said, still, still not, a number. not a number. So we want to make sure that, that our, our PMs actually have tools, even if they're simple tools, to understand where their profit is tracking 
every single day of that project. Yeah, and importantly, as changes and impacts happen, we need to understand what the impact of those is and how it affects our profitability. Accounting software is not profit tracking software. Mm -hmm. Accounting software is not profit projection software. Mm -hmm. Accountants track what happened in the past. Those are bean counters mm -hmm. to, to record history. Project managers need to see the future. You need to be able to see what's happening in real time and mm -hmm. what's happening next. We have procurement process, and this is identifying the long lead items right out of the gate in the beginning, and then tracking procurement all the way through the project. This would include mock-ups and any of the issues that arise with procurement. Yep. Safety process. So the, say, the process for how we're going to create that safety plan, mm -hmm. how we're going to keep track of compliance mm -hmm. and make sure that we are actually compliant and, and documenting everything we need to document. Yeah. Scheduling process. So this would happen at that estimation phase. So we should have kind of a schematic schedule that we're putting together, but scheduling should move all the way through the project. And we need to be thinking about all of the different steps inside of that process. Yeah. Well, and you said estimation phase and you mm -hmm. mean the initiating phase. Yes. Because right? estima uh, estimation is a process. Yes. Scheduling. See, I even get turned around It's true. In here. should carry from the initiating phase all the way through to the end of the project. Mm -hmm. And it's not just, so it's creating our schedule. It's understanding how our schedule interacts with any other schedules that exist. So mm -hmm. if I'm a subcontractor, I should have my own schedule. Mm -hmm. Also figure out how that relates to the GC yeah. schedule. Owner schedule. Owner, any, any schedules that exist, figuring out how that all works together. Yeah. Um, allocating manpower as part of that scheduling process. Tracking and scheduling impacts. Tracking impacts, mm -hmm. which is huge, really important. Often we look at the scheduling, or look at the schedule like this dead document that it started at the beginning and then it never changes again. But we need to make sure that that's moving and changing. Mm -hmm. So then we have the project handoff process. Mm -hmm. So this is at whatever points that important information or uh, ownership of some part of the the project is moving from person to person. Responsibility is transferred. Mm -hmm. We're making sure that we have a process for that handoff. Mm -hmm. This is really the project handoff process mm -hmm. is how we are connecting our office and our field and mm -hmm. making sure that that information is flowing in both directions. So imagine if, if a NASCAR driver is going into a pit stop and they haven't coordinated how that handoff of control is going to happen. When are they supposed to hit the gas and leave? Mm -hmm. If they don't communicate what those expectations are, a lot of people are going to get hurt and it's going to take a lot longer to get them back on the road. So we need to make sure that at any point we're handing something off in a project, we have a solid process in place to be able to support that, that goal. Yep, absolutely. Execution process. Mm -hmm. So this is how are we going to mobilize the job uh, how are we going to do the work? Mm -hmm. But it also has things in it like permitting, billing, inspections, and demobilization, demobilization at the end. Yeah, uh, reporting. So reporting is a critical process throughout the entire project. Uh, with with the initiating phase, we're just kind of setting up those expectations for what it's going to look like. But we want to make sure that we're aware of what our daily reports, our weekly reports, our monthly reports, and then the final report out on the project. What should that look like? We should have a process for this. So this is another one that sometimes as smaller companies we see this where 
uh, executives will be upset with project management because they don't like the level of reporting that they're getting. Mm -hmm. They want more information or clearer information or better information about the projects. What kind of information? But we don't have a process for mm -hmm. this. So we need to have a process for this is what a weekly report should have on it. Yep. We could create the form, but we don't have to create the form as long as people understand this is what I want to know about the project on a weekly basis. This is what I want to know monthly. Mm -hmm. And if you're a project manager listening to this podcast, even if your company doesn't have a report that they expect, mm -hmm. I take that on myself to just put something together. I'll make my best guess. If, if we don't have an existing report that, mm -hmm. that I can use, I'm going to make something up. I'm going to put together what I imagine I would want to see in that position. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to keep that up to date and maintained yeah. and, and share that. And of course, it's part of the project life cycle. It's mm -hmm. in our project life cycle exactly what should be on all those reports. Mm -hmm. Because for each of these processes we're talking about, we're going to get there in a second and talk about the steps. But mm -hmm. we're not going to be able on this podcast to detail every step of every process. Mm -hmm. But on our poster, those are all there. Mm -hmm. And on your poster, they should be too. Yeah. So. The next process is the change management process. Super important. Super important, super risky. It's like the lifeblood of the project. Mm -hmm. So uh, a proper change management process can make or break any project. Mm -hmm. There should be defined steps. There should be defined activities, a defined process for how we manage change on the project. Who flags it, uh, who, who estimates it, mm -hmm. who approves it, who communicates back to the field that we're moving on it. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that everybody understands their role of how we're handling this change. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and subcontractor management. So if you're a GC, then this has to do with how you're coordinating all of the trades that are on the project. But if you're a subcontractor, you may have your own sub-trades mm -hmm. that you're working with. Yep. And also this has to do with, as a subcontractor, how do you manage your relationship with the general? Mm -hmm. 100%. So all of those kind of relationships, or even also if you're a subcontractor, how are you managing your relationships with the other trades around you on the job? Right. Because even though you don't have a contractual responsibility to uh, maintain that relationship, you absolutely have those relationships out so in we're, the world. So we're almost wrapped up here. <laughs> almost there. Uh, and so the, the other big component that we should be thinking about in our project life cycle are the, the roles that each person needs to, to carry out. If we haven't defined those responsibilities or who's doing what, who's responsible for what on the board, mm -hmm. and we're just kind of doing this by feel, we're just all going to do it. So our, We're going to have a problem. Mm -hmm. Our project life cycle, uh, we have an executive role, and this is basically just someone who is above the PM level. Yep, they're ultimately responsible for bringing that project in profitably and uh, meeting the obligations of the company. Yep. We have a project manager role. We have a superintendent role. Mm -hmm. We have a project engineer role. We have an admin role. And we have a foreman role. Mm -hmm. And all of those roles have ownership of every single task. So every single step in each of these processes belongs to one of those roles. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that that person works on it by themselves. There are often places that we need to coordinate. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, one for every single step, one person has ownership of that step. Yep. And that's really important. And it's important that we understand who that is because we often drop the ball in that way where I, I think that was the PE's job mm -hmm. and you think that was the admin's job and no one really knows whose job it is. Mm -hmm. And it's important 
For each project, we're defining who needs to do what at each step, at each phase, as that project is moving from, from inception, from beginning to completion, we need to make sure that we're clearly communicating where that responsibility lies. It's, and a big part of what's important here in the roles, it doesn't matter who does what. What matters is that we know what the roles are and that we know which of those roles we are mm-hmm. and that we know which of those roles which of those roles owns which steps. And the reason I say this is because we have many companies where there are PMs and there are APMs and there are PEs mm-hmm. and there are senior PEs yep. and it gets project assistance very muddy mm-hmm. which which one of those roles am I actually in? Am mm-hmm. I am I an AP? So I'm an APM, but I'm actually running some smaller projects. I'm an estimator project manager. Right? Right. I'm a superintendent PM. Mm-hmm. So it's important not only that we nail down these processes, but then, you know, I can put whatever I want on your job description mm-hmm. or on your salary. But you should know when you look at this, you interact with this like a project engineer, or you interact with this like a project manager. Here's what you're responsible for. 90 plus percent of the time when something goes wrong on a project, it was a failure of a process or a missing process Mm -hmm. rather than a failure of a person. Mm-hmm. So we should be thinking about that when we're assembling our, our project life cycle. So. so then within each of those processes, step by step, we should have defined exactly what needs to happen and who owns that step. Mm-hmm. So this is, I think, the reason that this is all together in one document like this is we often feel like all of these things, like it's just messy and it's too much it's too much to get your head around but by having it all in one place where you can put your finger where we are right now there's a lot of value to that to being able to get your head around the project so if this all seems like a lot to you we're using the groundswell approach coined in this episode yeah just came up with it to help you heard it here first to help our our foremen, our field leaders, to help our project managers get their arms around it so they can worry about this stuff and be able to roll this out to their team so you don't have to. Yep, that's the idea. So we are teaching this Mm -hmm. in Project Manager Basic. So uh, foreman basic, they get the pieces that are relevant to them. Mm -hmm. But in our PM basic program, we are teaching this life cycle. This is actually the first session is just spending actually an entire four hour session diving into this life cycle and understanding every piece of it. And then spending eight weeks going actually through this life cycle with some mock projects and learning how we interact with those steps at every step of the way. So that we're not managing projects by feel anymore. We're managing projects using a concrete set of processes. Yep, exactly. Want to know more? Come to PM Basic or (laughs) come have coffee with us. And actually, that's a good point that, you know, PMs can be really well served by coming to PM Basic. Obviously, that's why we called it that. But we have people who are in leadership at companies who come to these sessions too to kind of learn what we're teaching and what we're doing and get your head around whether it's the right thing for your team. Yeah, because it's called basic training. It doesn't mean that senior folks can't join us as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton that everybody has to learn. A core belief that I have is that I have something to learn from everybody I talk to. So it's not that you've been doing it wrong all along if you show up in one of our classes. It means that you recognize that everybody has something to teach you. And we make a heck of a good cup of coffee. 
And what did we miss? Mm -hmm. So it's our belief as we've been developing this over the last two or three years, we feel like we've actually got everything that needs to happen in a project locked down pretty into good. this life cycle. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so if you think this life cycle is missing something that needs to happen on a project and we totally whiffed it, let us know. Help I'll us say make it stronger. Mary whiffed it. I did no <laughs> such thing. So uh, you can find us. You can find us at www.arcadewayfinding.com. You can find more about Foreman Basic at foremanbasic.com. And more about PM Basic at is it pm-basic.com. pm-basic.com. That's what it is. And our scholarship program, we're just adding hyphens. Yeah. Scholarship program, <laughs> if you know folks who are uh, underrepresented in the construction industry and they want access to these great programs and just can't afford it, uh, check out build-the-circle.com. Dot com. And learn more about Build the Circle. There we go. And I, we keep promising an episode about Build the Circle, but we just I feel keep... like next week. Yeah. I feel we... like next week is going to be it because <laughs> we, we have the uh, the feature in Women in Construction Week mm -hmm. and we have the sponsorship. Uh, we just had a, a conversation with a new and we're going to have more information about that great organization. They're a really great organization doing some really good work. Mm -hmm. So lots of really interesting stuff happening uh, inside of the walls of Arcade. That's true. Come and see us, have a cup of coffee with us, or give us a call and learn more about what you can do with us. Watch for it. Watch for it. All right. Ready? Ready. Do you need to do any mic testing? Mic. Mic. I'm on the mic. No, I think I'm okay. I'm going to make it like I'm the crazy one. So I don't know what you're talking about. Is that what about. we're doing I don't here? know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know why I'm the one that is being made to feel weird. Didn't I just talk about the fact that I can never be shamed? Yeah, and now you're feeling all shamed, apparently. I'm actually not. <laughs> I'm not genuine for a moment up here. <laughs>